Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, go with me tonight to the book of Acts chapter, uh, the book of Acts chapter 3 tonight. Uh, if you've been following along, this is our, this is our eighth message, our eighth, uh, our eighth lesson in the book of Acts. And uh, I really, over the last several days, I really, I really wrestled over uh, what I felt like that the Lord, uh, the direction that the Lord wanted me to go in this evening. Uh, but when it was all said and done, I've really felt like that the Lord brought me back to the book of Acts to continue, uh, to continue our uh, our study in the book of Acts. And so we're going to read a very familiar portion of Scripture here tonight. Um, any preacher that is, is worth his salt has preached from these passages of Scripture before. But I want us to look at them again because there is, there is some powerful things that speak to us in this. And I want us to look at this tonight. The book of Acts chapter 3, begin reading at verse number 1. We're going to read through verse number 10 tonight. The book of Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. I want you to look at that because that is, that is very significant. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. That they laid him at the gate, at the temple, at the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fastened. Fastening his eyes upon him with John said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at which had happened unto him. Amen. What an amazing account. Twice, twice in this story, the Bible talked about a place that is called beautiful. A place that is called beautiful. Where this man who had been crippled, this man who had been lame, this man who needed something this man who who needed help in the worst possible way and 
on this day received his help, but not really in the way that he thought he was going to receive help. But in this moment, he receives healing, he receives strength, he receives an encounter from the Lord in one moment's time. And so that's what I want to talk to you tonight about because twice it tells us that they took him to a place and they laid him at a place called Beautiful. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight in this next message in our series in the book of Acts. I want to talk to you tonight on the place, a place that is called Beautiful. A place that is called beautiful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you here tonight, Lord. God, I need your help. I need your anointing tonight. Father, I ask that you would anoint these lips of clay, that you would anoint the ears, that we may hear what, God, you are speaking to us tonight. God, speak to us by your power, by your spirit. And Father, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. And amen. Brother Jacob, if I could, can I get some monitor up here? I want to talk to you tonight about a place that is called beautiful. Acts chapter 3 tells us this amazing story. This amazing story of a man who encounters the power of God. He encounters he encounters those that are filled with the Spirit of God. And he receives a miracle at this place that is called beautiful. A man who, who, is, who has been lame on his feet for many years. Has many years. The Bible says that daily they bring him. They leave him at the temple. They, they place him at this gate called beautiful. And there he is, he is to beg people that come into the sanctuary, into the house of God, that he is to ask people for money. But on this day, he encounters two men who have just been filled with the Spirit and with the power of God. And in one moment's time, his life is radically changed. Where he is, was once a beggar, now he is a man who is full of strength. He is now a man that the Bible says that he is leaping and praising God. He receives a divine miracle. He does not receive necessarily what he was looking for, but really he receives what he wasn't looking for. And I got to thinking about this. The Bible says that he was laid at the gate that was called beautiful. He was laid at this gate. And I thought to myself, this is a very interesting place. If you look up in Strong's Concordance and you look at the actual Greek terminology that is used here, that what the word beautiful here actually means, it actually has two definitions. And one of them I find very, very interesting. One of them means just like it would sound. That it is, that it is something good to look at. It is, uh, it is, it is, 
it is, uh, it is beautiful, if I could just, it, it just use the word that is used in Scripture here. But I found out that the Greek word for beautiful also means an appointed time in an appointed season. And I found out that this Greek phrase is used only twice in all the Word of God. And it is found right here in the book of Acts. That, that phrase, beautiful in the sense of an appointed time and an appointed season is found right here. And I got to thinking about that because the Bible says that he had been lame for many years. The Bible says that he had been lame for, for a long time and that was really all that he knew. And I got to thinking that he was laid at the gate called Beautiful. And there were many times that Jesus himself, as he would go to the temple, probably passed by this man. And the question that I would have to ask myself is, well, with the fact that the Bible says later on in the book of Acts how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth full of the Holy Ghost, that he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed, and sometimes I think to myself, why didn't Jesus heal this man at the gate beautiful? Why didn't... And many times the Scripture records that Jesus went to the temple to, do, to, to, uh, to obey the feast of God or to go into the temple at various times to teach. He probably passed by this man. Why didn't He heal them? It is simply because of this, and this is what I personally believe. I believe that for every one of us, in the, in the seasons that we are in life, there is an appointed time and an appointed place that God brings us, that it intersects with us to, to, for God to get the greatest glory out of everything. You see, I, I, I understand we live, we, we live in an instant gratification generation that we want the miracle now. We want the healing now. We want, we, we, we want, the, we want the money now. We don't, you know, when, we, when we go through the drive-thru at, 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 our, at, our at our favorite fast food restaurant and, and, and all we ordered was a hamburger and some chicken nuggets and we pull up to the, and we pull up to the window to pick up our food and we get out aggravated because they tell us, can you just go park in that little spot over there and we'll bring out the food to you here in just a minute. And we get aggravated because we think, well, all I ordered was some chicken nuggets and a hamburger. Can't you just have that ready for me when I get to the door? And sometimes in church, we are the same way. You know, we go through, the, we go through prayer line after prayer line after prayer line. And we, want, and, and, and we want the healing now. And we want all of those things happening. But I found out for a lot of us, God has a divine place to where He receives the greatest glory. Beautiful, the place called beautiful. It is the place where the glory of God intersects with our with our greatest need I'm reminded in John chapter 11 when the Bible says that word is sent to Jesus that Lazarus is sick and you would think 
that Lazarus here is the best friend of, of God manifest in the flesh. That he would rise up and go running. But the Bible says that Jesus abode two days more where he was at. And finally he says, okay, let's go. Let's, let's get up and go because Lazarus is asleep. And you know the story, his disciples say, you know, well, if Lazarus is asleep, then, 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 he, then he does well. And finally, it, finally, Jesus just had to lay it all out. And he goes, well, Lazarus is dead. He didn't deny the reality of it. But then it amazes me that in John chapter 11, he says something very confusing. And he says, and I'm glad that I wasn't there. You mean to God, here's my need. Here is what here is what I am needing you to do. And you're supposed to run to my rescue at the at my beckoning call. I'm supposed to say, here, God, do it. And you're supposed to do it when I say it, how I say it, and when I say it. But I'm reminded of Isaiah when he, when he wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And he said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are His ways higher than my ways. And His thoughts higher than our thoughts. See, what I have found out over the course of my life and my ministry, I have found out that God will allow things to happen and for an appointed time and appointed season to bring us to the place where God's greatest glory will be demonstrated. And I believe that that's what happened here. A place that is called beautiful. It is a place of an appointed time and an appointed season. But here are some things that are interesting about this place that is called beautiful. The first thing that I find out is that this place called beautiful... This place of appointed time and appointed season. It's a place of prayer. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible opens it up. Acts chapter 3 opens up and says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Being the ninth hour. Peter and John are going to do the most important thing that they know to do. And that is to go pray. They go to prayer at the ninth hour. What I find interesting in all of this is that the Bible doesn't say that they go up at the time of the morning sacrifice. Because they already understood that there was no need to go participate in that. But they knew that the greatest thing that they could do was to be men of prayer. And at the ninth hour, they go to this place. They're going to the temple to pray. And the Bible commands us to pray. Paul would write and he would say to pray without ceasing. He, Jesus would say in Luke's gospel, he says that he taught a parable unto them that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Paul would write in Philippians and he would say, Through all prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. 
Jesus, when He went into the temple, the thing that upset Him as He went into the temple was not the fact that they were necessarily selling things. That was customary for people who were traveling because so they didn't have to bring the sacrifice. They could buy one there. But it was the fact that people were being taken advantage of. But the other thing was is that people in the temple were not praying. And He turned over the tables and He said, My house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer. You see, in order for us, for our lives to intersect with this place that is called beautiful, a place that God wants to bring us to, where our season, where our appointed season that God has for us, we've got to be people of prayer. I'm afraid... I'm afraid that a lot of what we are seeing and experiencing in this nation right now is because people do not pray. Now I'm not talking, listen, listen to me carefully. I'm not talking about an election. I'm not talking about our favorite candidate. I'm not talking about your favorite candidate. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about the Bible says that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Not so, not so that we can, not so that we can accumulate things to ourselves, but so that the purpose of prayer is to know the heart and the mind of God. And we've got to be people of prayer. And these men went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. This, it was so important to them. Without this, nothing else would have happened. Nothing else in the Scripture that I read in your hearing this evening would have happened. There would have been no healing. There would have been, there would have been no powerful demonstration. If two men hadn't went to a prayer meeting. My goodness, I wish that God would awaken and revive the prayer meeting in a lot of churches. Because if I can use a cliche, the church that prays together will always stay together. And I'm concerned, I'm going to say this and, 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 and then try to move on. I am concerned there, there is a doctrine out there that says oh, we don't have to pray. All we've got to do is just speak it. No, that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says we have to pray. To pray without ceasing. I have to know the mind of God. You have to know the mind of God. And we have to pray in agreement. We have to pray... We have to pray in Acts chapter 4, here in the very next chapter, when they come together to pray after they had been threatened, it was after that they prayed that God came in and shook the place and filled them with boldness. But it could not happen unless they prayed. We have to be people of prayer. The second thing about this place called beautiful... So not only is it a place of prayer, but it's also a place of provision. This lame man knew exactly where to go. By all indications, he made a good living being laid at that gate every day of his life 
to beg people for money as they walked in to the temple. But this place, this divine season that God had established for this moment, we discover that it is a place of provision. The Bible says that He would go and He would ask alms of them that came to the temple. The Bible says that Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. And they notice Him. They notice Him there. And they look at this man and say, look on us. And this man looks up and expects to receive something from them. You see, when God puts us in a place of our divine season, it is a place of provision. See, the issue with this man though was is that he expected the wrong thing. He had a sense of expectation, but his expectation was just wrong. He wanted to receive money, but God wanted to do so much greater. And I think that people that come into the church, they're expecting something. But God wants to do so much greater. Well, God, if you could just if you could just give me a job. God, if you could just pay my rent. God, if you could just if you could if you could have somebody give me something. God, if I if if I can just if I can just get if I can just get a better home. God, if you could just put my marriage back together. God, if you would just let my kids survive school. And and all of those are fine and dandy, and all of those things have their place. But sometimes we think that God, the Bible says that God wants to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We have to understand that while we may come into the house of God expecting something, God wants to do so much more than we could ever ask or think. You see, what I have learned what I have learned, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying here tonight. What I have learned is God is, is interested in greater than me just getting a better job. He's interested in more than just in me actually just getting a healing. And those are good. He is interested in more than just than me getting a better paycheck or getting a better financial opportunity. I'm thankful for all of those blessings. Those are just added benefits. But God wants to receive the highest level of glory. And God wants to do so much more. God wants to show forth a demonstration of His power. That's what God wants. And this man here, he was expecting, but he was just expecting the wrong thing. Or could I say, he was expecting too little. You see, oh my goodness, I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying not to meddle. 
Sometimes it's difficult. But I just can't get past this point that sometimes among Christians, our expectation is too low. Our expectation is way down. We expect to come in and have a good service. But do we really expect God to do a transformative work? This man here understood about provision. It was a place of provision, but God, God wanted to elevate that. God wanted to bring it up. And he looks up to Peter and John expecting to receive something from them. But then the Bible tells us something miraculous. Now Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I don't have. He goes, what you're, what you're looking for, I do not have. I don't have what you want, but I do have what you need. And I think a lot of the times we're giving people what they want, but we're not giving people what they need. It's easy to give a dollar, but sometimes they need more. Can I tell you the answer to everything? The answer to everything that plagues us right now in this society is not anything else but the gospel. It's not, it's not, a, who, it's not who's in office. It's not, because I, I, I want to tell, uh, mm, uh, I, you just kind of have to forgive me here. You're, you're just, because uh, I'm, I'm going to preach it like I feel it right here. Because here's, here's the thing. We want somebody to be removed out of office. But I tell you what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the Holy Spirit of God send conviction to the White House and do a transformative work there. And I want to tell you, mm, see, sometimes we just don't want to see people get saved. That's good preaching right there. But sometimes we just don't want to see people get saved. Even though that we're commanded to pray for everyone. And we're commanded to pray for those that God put in authority. But that's another scripture for another day. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's easy to do all sorts of different things. But a lot of times we're giving people what they want. But we should be giving them what they need. And Peter looked at him and said, I don't have what you want. I don't have the money. I don't want a... Because here was the thing. The money would have satisfied him in his present condition. And we have too many people that are coming to church and are leaving in their same present condition. Now listen, I'm not saying that there, that there are mountains that we've got to climb and, there, and that there's not, there's not flesh that has to die on the, on the altar. And yes, I understand that at times those things are a process and those things take time. I'm also thankful that there are times that, that it all happens instantly and we can get into the debate, well, does it happen all at once or does it happen progressively? And the answer is yes. Because I have to die 
daily. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is the fact that day after day, week after week, service after service, we have people that come into our churches all across America still bound up with drugs, still bound up with pornography, still bound up with the things of this world. And they still come in and they never feel challenged. They never feel, We just let them feel comfortable where they're at. And this man wanted to be comfortable in it. But God wanted to provide something. And the Bible says that Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have. I don't have, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. What we've got to understand is, is what we may not have much in the world's eyes. But we have something far greater. It's not about me necessarily putting a sandwich in a sack and feeding the homeless. And I'm thankful for those that feed the homeless. It's not about me paying somebody's electricity bill. And I'm thankful when we can pay for people's electricity bill. But if I, if I feed them and I pay their electric bill and they're still lost and on their way to hell, what have I done for them? Amen. That's good preaching. We've got to understand that in this, this man wanted one thing, but God was wanting to do something else. Was wanting to provide something else. The Bible says that Peter said, "Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee." Brings me to my third point. Not only. Is this place called beautiful a place of prayer? Not only is it a place of provision, but it's also a place of power. Peter would say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I can just imagine that man looking at him and going and saying, "Um, excuse me. Excuse me, don't you know I, I've been laid at I've been laid at this gate for many, many years, crippled, and you're asking me to get up? Well, no, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Because I speak for the healer. I speak in the name of Jesus. I am the ambassador. I have the power of attorney. And I say in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And Peter reaches down and grabs him by the hand. And something amazing happens. And I never saw it until just a few days. See, Luke was a doctor. And Luke is very, very descriptive as to what actually transpired in this miracle. If you read it in the King James, the Bible says that in verse 7 that he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And we kind of gloss over that in the sense of, well, they were just weak. But if you look at that in the Greek, what actually happened is, is the Bible gives a picture, the terminology that 
that Luke the doctor writes in here is that everything about this man and his ability to walk was out of joint. Mm, I'm getting ready to preach here. Everything about this man was out of joint. And when the Bible says in the King James, when it says that his feet and ankle bones receive strength, the terminology that Luke uses is that these bones were out of joint, actually went back into their sockets. And what I found out is this. There is a lot of disjointed Christians sitting in our pews today. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying not to be mean. Sometimes I sound mean, but I'm really not. I'm just passionate. But here's the thing. In this one moment, God's power was demonstrated. And then in the physical, something supernatural happens. And a man who was disjointed is put back together. Everything pops back into place. And God's power is made demonstrated right there. Can I tell you one of the greatest demonstrations of God's power that you'll see is people who were one time disjointed Put back together. My goodness. When God's people, when people who are, who are torn apart by sin and sickness and disease, and all of a sudden God puts everything jointed back together. That is nothing short but the miracle working power of God. And what I'm praying is that God. In his, in his supernatural anointing, in His supernatural power, one more time, sweeps through congregations and puts those things back together that were once disjointed. And they pop back into place. That's what Luke said here. Luke said that when Peter grabbed him and lifted him up, Immediately those areas of his body that were disjointed. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he had club feet. I don't know whether or not if just his bones were out of joint. Whatever the case may be. It prevented him from walking. And all of a sudden, in one moment's time, everything popped back into place. I'll never forget it when it happened to me. And you've, heard, and you've heard me share this story before, but I want to share it again. When I was about 12 years old, I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I, I, on a Sunday afternoon, I was playing football out in the, out in the front yard of my house with, with some friends of mine. Now, you think I'm skinny now? You should have saw me when I was 12 years old. You should have saw me before I got married. I was about this big around. And so, somebody my size playing football, that's funny. But I was outside, I was playing football. All of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but I stepped the wrong way and I heard a pop go off in my right knee. And I was in so much pain and I crawled back to the house. And my mom, and here was the thing about my mom. My mom, she, 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 was, she was a woman of faith. 
and she, she prayed many times. I'd get off the school bus and I'd get made fun of because my house was a few houses down from where my bus stop was at on my street. But I can, I can step up many in the afternoon. I'd step off the school bus and about three or four houses down, I could hear my mom praying from her house. Because she wasn't one of these quiet prayers. Prayers. She, she, she believed in praying loudly. She wanted the whole neighborhood. She was also she was the type of person that when when if neighbor, neighborhood kids came over to the house and wanted to play, she'd ask them. They'd knock on the door and she'd go to the door. She'd open up that door and say, "Who are you?" Well, I'm Johnny, or I'm this person. Can can Jeremy come out and play? Well, that depends. You go to church. Are you saved? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? No. Well. Jeremy can't come out and play. Well, Mom, why did you do that? Because I'm protecting you some, but that's, that was free right there. But my mom, my mom was a prayer warrior. And she loaded me up into the car. And we went to, we, we went to the emergency room and they did all, they did all of, the, they did all of the, the scans and x-rays and all those different types of things. And the doctor came back in. And said, your son has completely tore his ACL off the bone. And said, we have to go in and we have, we're going to have to reattach it. We've got to, do, we've got to do surgery. That was about 5.30 that morning or that evening. My mom said, I, that's fine. You schedule whatever surgery that you need to schedule. We're gonna, we're, but church starts at 6. I'm going to go to church and if he's not healed tonight, then we'll be back in the morning and you can do... You can do the surgery. And the doctor tried to tell my mom and say, no, no, no we, need, we need to go ahead and do surgery. Now, no, uh, we're going to go to church. And, and she, now here's the thing about my mom. My mom didn't deny the reality of it. Because there were times that we prayed and it wasn't miraculous as what I'm getting ready to tell you here. And so she would have. Come Monday morning, she would have had me back at that doctor's office and they would have been doing surgery. But we drove, and I, me, I'm just crying. I, I just need some relief. I don't care. It's like the preacher that I heard one time that said, you know, I took a whole bottle of NyQuil and I got faith. Whatever which one kicks in first, I'm happy. And we went to, we went to the church where we were growing up. Blessed Assurance Temple. Matter of fact, I just I just talked a few days ago to the pastor that is there now, and because uh, I was watching one of the services, and all those memories come flooding back to me. The church doesn't look the same; it's been remodeled and everything like that. But I remember when we got there, we were about fifteen minutes, fifteen twenty minutes late to the service, but they were still singing, and they didn't have a nice foyer and everything like we do here. They had them big wooden doors that when you opened them, they creaked. And then when you closed them, it would shake the entire church. And if anybody was late, everybody was turning around and looking at who was walking in the, in the back door. Still that way today. We walked in. Brother Preston Edwards, who was the pastor, has since gone on to be with the Lord. Great man of God. I didn't know anything that was going on, but saw us come in. He stepped down off the platform. 
And he stopped everything that was going on and he said, about 30 minutes ago the Lord spoke to me and said that Sister Dolly and her son was on her way here and that when they got here that he needed to be prayed for. And leaning on my mom, I came up, we walked up to the, I hobbled up to the front and to the altar. And I'd like to say that he prayed some spectacular prayer. I'd like to say that lightning bolts fell down out of heaven. I'd like to say that, that we shook and spoke in tongues and all of that, but none of that happened. What I do remember is that he said, I don't want to know what happened. He said, but we're going to pray that God will heal you. And I remember that he laid his hand on me. And all I remember him praying was this. And he said, Father, in the name of Jesus. He said, your word says that by your stripes we are healed. And tonight, Lord God, we ask you to heal him. In Jesus' name, amen. That was what he prayed. Immediately, immediately, there was a pop in my knee. At that moment, then all the leaping and the praising God and everything took, took off. And while I and we went back to the doctor the next day, and when I went back to the doctor the next day, they did the x-ray and they just had discovered that my ACL that was torn completely off the bone had somehow miraculously reattached itself back to the bone. And it was imperfect. There, could, there wasn't even a place where there was a tear. For years, I still had the x-rays. One where, where the ACL was shown torn and the other one where it was shown put back together. I want to tell you, God has a place of power that He wants to demonstrate among His people. The Bible says that he stood up and he leaping up stood, walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And here's what this man did in his divine season, his appointed season. The first thing that he did was he attached himself to other believers. Because the Bible says that he was leaning on the disciples. He held on to the disciples as they were, as they were coming in, as he was leaping and praising God. You see, it is very important in this season that we're in right now that we attach ourselves together with believers. We are not an island unto ourselves. It is important that we become attached to people. And that's what, that's what this man did. And also, he didn't have very much, but he used what he had at that moment. 
The only thing that he had to demonstrate his praise to God was his feet and ankles and his legs. And he used what he had to worship him. What are you trying, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is, is that it is very, very important that we use what we have. It is important that what we do is we understand that there is an appointed season. There is this place called beautiful for us. It is a place of prayer. It is a place of provision. It is a place of power. And in one moment, this man's life was completely, radically changed. Imagine what God wants to do for you and I. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm getting ready to wrap this up. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the reason why... I, listen, you've got to understand what I'm saying here. I, it, people are... Depending on who you're listening to and stuff like that... They're, they're saying, you know, well, God's getting ready. God's getting ready to send a revival. God's getting ready to send a move of God. He's been doing that. He's been doing that since Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 says this is that, which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, are we in the last days? Yes. Then what happened in Acts chapter 2 is still happening today. There's never been a time that God hasn't stopped moving. God's always been moving. But it's up to us to get into it. It is up to us to find out where God's moving, how God's moving, what God is moving in, and for us to get in to that. God's always moving. And so, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if He did this here, I mean, think about it. I, I, this is just kind of how I picture it in my mind. Imagine pulling into the parking lot here at the church, and there is somebody laying out on the side of the road in the driveway begging. What would we say? Would we say, well, come into church and let's see if God will do something for you when you get into church? Or could we be like Peter and John on that day and say, you know, I may not have what you want, but I've got what you need. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What does God want to do in your life? What does God want to do in my life? You see, and all that is going on, and I'm going to be completely honest and transparent with you as, as I can possibly be. If I'm not careful, I'll get mad at what I see going on around me. I will. I'll get mad. And I'll get mad at various people. 
I'll get mad at our government. I'll get mad at things that I see going on in the church world today. But God has had to remind me there is something that I'm wanting to do. There is something. There is a power that I am wanting to renew again among my people. And that's what I'm hungry for. That's what I'm, that's what I'm wanting. And there are times that I have to say, God... Get me out of the way. My own preconceived ideas, my own preconceived ideologies, my own preconceived notions. Get that out of the way. Let me know that there is a place that is called beautiful. And I challenge you this week, find it. Find that place that is called beautiful as you begin to pray. Seek the Lord. Ask Him for a demonstration of His glory in your life. Amen? Amen. Stand with me all over the house tonight. enjoyed today's message by evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007, or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.